That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. It is Viritasiram, a truth potion so powerful that three drops would have you spilling your innermost secrets for this entire cluster here. Now, the use of this potion is controlled by very strict ministry guidelines, but unless you watch your step, you might just find that my hand slips right over your evening pumpkin juice. And then, Potter, then we'll find out whether you've been in my office or not. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the Restricted Section, a show in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss the way that the story and its themes have stayed with the generation into adulthood. Thank you for being here. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we're talking about this week. Chapter 27, Padfoot Returns. So part one of this chapter takes place in potions class. Rita fucking Skeeter has written a very factual article about how Hermione has dumped Harry for crumb. Harry also gets into it with Snape in potions and he catches Karkarov showing Snape something on his forearm. Most mysterious. Then the trio go to visit Sirius outside of Hogsmeade and the group does some pretty thorough thinking about what is Barty Crouch up to? What's on Karkarov's arm? Who stole Harry's wand at the Quidditch World Cup? Who put his name into the Goblet of Fire? And where in the world is Bertha Jorkins? Welcome to the Restricted Section, where an ex-convict will lure you into a cave in the foothills. I am cheery to be joined today by my imaginative friend, Mary Clay. Say hello to the listeners, Mary Clay. Hello to the listeners, Mary Clay. Well done. (laughs) And I'm super excited because this week's special guest is Harmit from a Song of Ice and Fire Symposium. Say hello to the listeners, Harmit. Hi, everybody. Um, Can you please let us know what your pronouns are? Um, She, her. Or no, her, she. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) Adorable. So y'all may remember a Song of Ice and Fire Symposium because Harmit's co-host Nav has been on the show before for a couple episodes, the Quidditch World Cup, um, and also the Flight of the Fat Lady. But this is the first time Harmit's on the show, and we are so excited to have you here. I am so excited to be here. Oh my gosh, I haven't nerded out about Harry Potter in a long time. So you got us. I hope it feels like a break from Game of Thrones. (laughs) Honestly, it was nice to be able to read something where it was weird knowing what happened. Like there were several points in the story where I found myself being confused why the characters didn't know what I knew because I'm so (laughs) used to reading only up until a point where they know Um, what I know. Yes. Are you talking about in the chapter where they're like a tattoo or like a weird mark on his arm? What what could that be? I'm like, you guys don't know. I was like. Yeah, I was like, you guys don't know this. And then I remember I know more than them, which is weird. Yeah, like a lot more. Yeah, it's I haven't read something in a while where I know more than the characters. So it's been nice. Yeah. Do you want to just tell us like your one liner about what a Song of Ice and Fire Symposium is in case people have missed it? So a Song of Ice and Fire Symposium, what we're doing right now is we're going through the um, 
the books. And so we start, we're in the middle of the second book right now. And kind of like the, the premise of our podcast is that there's me and there's Nav and Nav has, you know, watched the Game of Thrones show. Nav has like read all the books, knows pretty much everything about the series. They're your guide. Yeah, definitely. And I know nothing except for what Mm -hmm. we've covered on air on the podcast. So that's very exciting. We kind of go through a few chapters at a time each week. um, And we kind of talk about it, summarize it, make some predictions. And it's, it's a really fun time. And yeah. Yeah, so definitely check it out if you're interested in um, a similar kind of like close reading like we do here. Um, um, But uh, the books are way crazier. So yeah, we're in the middle of the second book. And I feel like I still know nothing. So (laughs) it's true. (laughs) It's kind of the same here with Goblet of Fire. It's like, oh, you guys don't know anything yet. That's true. Yeah, we got a way to go. So tell us a little bit about your very hairy history. When did you get into the books? When did you get into the movies? What's up? Yeah, yeah. So I was in, um, wait, I'm not trying to expose myself here. Okay. Um, I was about to say like my exact age and I was like, do I want to say that? Okay. This was it's okay. We have a lot of younger friends. It's fine. <laughs> She's <No>. younger than us. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was, I don't know how old I was, but I was in sixth grade. So it was a few years ago. Um, and I was in sixth grade, and my sixth grade teacher read us read us a couple books that year. Um, and the first few, I I kind of I I didn't like his taste in books from what he'd shown us so far. So I when he was like, "We're gonna read Harry Potter," I was like, "This is gonna be something that I'm not gonna like," just because everything else he'd shown us before I didn't I didn't really like. And so um, he's like, "I'm gonna start with Harry Potter," and we get like a couple episodes, um, not a couple episodes, <laughs> a couple chapters. We get a couple I chapters. Did it too. And, yeah, and he you know he's reading the series to us, and I'm just like, "Oh my gosh, I love these books. I need to and." Back then, I had, like, so much time to, like, binge read whatever I wanted to read. And so as soon as he finished the first book, which felt like it took a long, long time, because, you know, he's reading it to us during class. So as soon as he finishes the first book, um, everybody in our class liked it so much that he continued continued with the second book. But between that period between where he finished the first book and he started the second book. I had already <laughs> read all the books. Oh my god. <laughs> it was like a it was like a period of maybe 3 weeks and I was wow, like I'm going to read the whole thing. And so I finished the whole series and I didn't properly digest it because you know, 3 weeks and thousands of pages, but I just, I fell in love with the story and I just, Mm -hmm. I loved it so much. But he said to me, cause I I was like 12 or 13 at a time at the time. And so I think I was the same age as them in like the second, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was second or third. Yeah. Second or third. And so he was like, which one's your favorite? I was like, you know, second book. And he was like, yeah, like as you grow older, as you kind of come back to them, you're going to find that like your favorite book gets to be like the older one. And that's kind of what I found when I kind of um, cause I've gone back and reread the whole series like one or two times and I mm-hmm. totally found that when I went back and reread it, reread it. And yeah, that same year I, you know, binge watched all the movies, binged all the content, found every single YouTube video, you know, did everything. But yeah. it's been a while since I've gotten to like indulge in Harry Potter. So yes. I'm so excited to just talk about it and, you know. Hell yeah. 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 So what Hogwarts house are you? I am Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. <laughs> yeah. Same. Uh, yeah. Every time, it's weird though, because every time I would do it, I would get a different result. And I was like, I was having an identity crisis about it. I was like, I don't know what I am, but I feel like I finally, I'm like, I'm Hufflepuff. We're good. Yeah. 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 Good. Good for you. <laughs> 
Good for you, too. <laughs> Thank you. I love being a Hufflepuff. Yeah. Um, no offense, Mary Clay. We love you, too. I'm a Slytherin. It's fine. Oh, my gosh. I love that. I want to do an episode that's like in defense of Slytherin where we talk about all the great things that Slytherin can do. I'll come. (laughs) Well, you'll have to because we don't know a lot of them. (laughs) Rude. (laughs) Cool. Well, before we get into the episode today, I would love to start out with some owl mail. I'm going to scroll down and see. This is from Ashley. Sure, her, she, sure, Sherbert. <laughs> Hershey, Ashley Hershey, uh, 27, Gryffindor. Ooh. Ashley wrote um, a bit of a lengthy email, which I love that. Thank you so much, Ashley. I will not be reading the entire thing. Um, she said a lot of really nice things about how this podcast was uh, helpful to her during COVID, during some rough times. Um, and I honestly, Ashley, same. <laughs> um, so I'm just so glad for all your kind words. Um, but of course, like many of our uh, f- listeners who write in, Ashley comes to us with a theory. And I think that this is a good time to talk about it because it's really more Order of the Phoenix stuff. Um, but it's it's Snapey, and there's some Snape action in this chapter. Ooh. So Ashley says, my hot take, active legitimacy is not a subtle skill and cannot be performed unbeknownst to the subject mind that is being read. Ashley goes on, my thought is that there has to be a difference between actually performing legitimacy on someone versus utilizing passive legitimacy skills. Personally, I do not believe at any point prior to the fifth book that Snape or Dumbledore is actually penetrating students' minds. Let's never use the words <laughs> penetrating and Penetrate. students <laughs> next to each other ever again, Ashley, but I get your meaning. Reading their actual thoughts or accessing their actual memories. In the fifth book, when Harry is learning acclimacy from Snape, he is vividly aware of the exact thoughts and memories that Snape is seeing and the same vice versa when Harry accidentally enters Snape's mind. This is with the actual verbal spell, but I'm sure that a really skilled legilimens like Voldemort, Snape, or Dumbledore must have the ability to perform it wordlessly. However, I really think even with a nonverbal casting, the subject would still be aware that they've got a probe in their brain. The only times, I think, that we see someone unaware that their mind is being tampered with, other than the imperious curse, is when Harry first begins to see visions from Voldemort's mind. And then when Voldemort plants the fake vision of Sirius and Harry's, and these two have the weird Horcrux connection that kind of defies the laws of legitimacy and acclimacy. Uh. Ashley did not include that burp in her email. That was all me. I know we see repeatedly through Harry that Snape and Dumbledore have this eye contact that makes him feel like he's being x-rayed, strong argument for mind reading, but still I think that he is feeling the result of uber passive legitimacy skills rather than having his actual mind read. So maybe Snape can pick up on the fact that someone might be lying. It wouldn't mean that he knows what the truth is, or maybe he can tell when someone is feeling guilty, but he wouldn't know exactly what about. I can think of one other time that Snape uses active legitimacy and it is non-verbally in Half-Blood Prince after finding Draco when Harry slashed him all up with Sectumsempra. Harry lies about how he knew the spell, so Snape goes into his mind and Harry sees him find his copy of Advanced Potion Making in his memories. 
Maybe it's classic that bitch logic like time travel where everything is made up and the rules don't matter. Who knows? But geez, I still don't think it's actual mind reading this whole time. I think if Dumbledore Snape could scan every mind around them and pick out people and pick out people's thoughts, then like 90% of the books would never have happened with many question marks. Like they would never hear the thoughts about Barty Crouch Jr. and just let him hang out. Anyway, that's a long winded spiel, probably a little premature since we haven't gotten to the actual subject in order of the phoenix yet but i am curious to know your thoughts about my thoughts wow thank you so much ashley because i love this email and this is like the only thing that has ever made the legitimacy make any sense to me harmit what do you think about this as you were saying it the puzzle pieces were like making sense and i was like yeah i like this has to be canon i'm sorry this is canon now because i like i yeah, it, it has to, because I wondered mm-hmm. the same thing, where I'm like, it just doesn't, like, there. there's too many, um, sorry, what was the name of the listener? Ashley. Yeah, like Ashley said, like, there's too many plot holes without it, so mm-hmm. I, I'm here for it, Ashley. Yeah, what do you think, Mary Clay? Um, I, I mean, yeah, it definitely all makes sense. I'll be honest, though, I've never really thought too deeply about, like, the laws of legitimacy or anything, and thinking about, like, oh, well, how does this work, or... Um, picking up on like plot holes or, or anything related to that so I was just kind of like cool that sounds great <laughs> never really thought about it <laughs> I've never really thought about the laws of legitimacy but I have many times on this podcast screamed why is this happening if they can read mine I know yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that, it, it's a lot yeah. it, there are a lot of moments like that of like why is this happening if there's a truth potion <laughs> like right. why could they not have just given Sirius a truth potion um before sending him to Azkaban why could they have not or just, a trial um, as we learn in this trial, chapter yeah. I mean yeah but like you know what I mean um like what like there are all of these things that we learn later on that it's like well why didn't y'all just use this yeah and it's definitely just a case of the author had you know, not yet thought of it or yeah. forgot about it at the time that she was writing something later. So. Too many. What is what's the expression? Too many. I don't know. Too many. Wait, what is it in I the fire? What is in the fire? It's like too many irons like, in the po- fire. Irons in the. Is that it? What's an iron? Well, OK, well, um, the phrase that my dad always tells me or would tell me when I was job searching was always have an iron in the what is it yeah no okay now you've got me wondering it's something about like always have an eye like have multiple irons in the fire like always have something going okay irons in the fire what is this? i already googled it okay well i hate you um it must be some kind of like blacksmith tool that i don't know what that means yeah it's like um uh what i'm imagining is when you have a fire going it's like that um poker thing Mm. You know, oh, the, the pointy, yeah. stabby thing, the metal stick. Yes. Ooh, or remember in Pirates of the Caribbean when Orlando Bloom is like, oh shit, I have to fight now. And he just has yes, like 16 exactly. swords it's in the exactly fire. It's exactly that. And he, and he picks up. Oh no, I was thinking of when they first start going. I think he uses, doesn't he use like a, a thing? Like I don't know. He takes, thing at he first. takes a full sword out of the fire. That's all I remember. And I'm like, what is that sword doing in there? Um, yeah. Okay, great. So wait, what did 
Where, so how did we get here? I don't know. Too many I don't something know. in the fire. J.K. Rowling didn't know what she was oh, doing. Oh, yeah. J.K. JK Voldemort had too many irons in the fire and I think had a hard time keeping track of all of them, including, but not limited to, legitimacy and truth serum. Because why would you need a trial at all if you just have truth serum? Whatever. Thank you so much for the email, Ashley. We really appreciate it. Um, oh, and Ashley also sent me a list of her favorite fanfics that she would like us to plug. So I'm going to go ahead and link those in the show notes. Um, I th- she says they're all pretty short and really pull at the heartstrings. So I want to read them for sure. Nice. So we're here to talk about Goblet of Fire, Chapter 27, Padfoot Returns. I love Yay. when the chapter just says exactly what happens. <laughs> So this chapter starts with a little bit of like a post second task, like a little bit of a winter to spring montage. People are being nicer to Harry because he survived another near death experience. But also Ron is getting some attention now as he was a hostage. Um, And he's sort of really, uh, I think thriving is maybe not the right word. Yeah, he loves the attention. Um, He likes telling the story really dramatically and the details of what happened to him sort of uh, get embellished uh, every time he repeats the story. I love that. That's also just like such a Ron thing to do considering he, you know, has always kind of been craving this attention and was like a little bit jealous of Harry in the first, you know, third of the book. And then now it's all on him. So I love that. Uh, he's like kind of rather than being like, yeah, McGonagall called us into the office and put a sleeping spell on us. He like really does it up to make him sound a lot cooler than he yeah. is. But I feel like, I don't know, just from my perspective, I'm reading this and as he's embellishing all these details, all I can, like if I was just somebody at his school who like didn't know him personally, all I would be able to think of would be like year two when his freaking wand wouldn't work. And, I, and all I would, like, I'd be like, you know, I'd be in disbelief. I'd be like, dude, your wand wasn't working two years ago <laughs> yeah. and you're just defeating all these people. Like what? You, he missed like a whole year of school. You be Hermione in this situation where <laughs> Hermione like jumps in at one point and I don't remember what she says yeah. but she like she ma- she like totally calls him out and like <laughs> makes fun of them for it. Well because he's talking about how he got abducted by mer people and her yeah. and fought them off single handedly and Hermione <laughs> yeah. says what were you gonna do snore on them or drool on them? <laughs> yeah em? that's I, I think she says the snore, snore at them. Yeah. yeah. Classic Hermione. <laughs> <laughs> we love Hermione. This line says that she said this waspishly, and I was like, what does that mean? I also picked up on that. Well, I Googled it, and it was like, you know, like a wasp, and I was like, okay, Google. (laughs) Like, Like, it means like, like petulantly, like, like, like peeved, not peeves, like peeved off. Yeah, got it. Right. It also describes her as tetchy. She's in a tetchy mood, which I did not Google. I think that just means it, honestly it sounds like another word for touchy of it like, means it means grumpy. Yeah, she's just like a little, you know, you you say one wrong, you say something and it'll be easy to set her off. Yeah, she is getting teased for being crumbs person. So cute. <laughs> and it's just like so dumb because it's like date a nerd, get teased. Date a famous athlete, get teased. Don't date at all, get teased. Get teased. It's, yeah. it's almost like it's impossible to be a woman. I think everyone's just 
they're all now they're all jealous of Hermione yeah. for various reasons. Because now she's got everything. It's like she's got to yeah. be brewing a love potion, right? Like she can't be smart and have people like her. Like what? Oh my god, that makes me so mad. Okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> One windy day in March, an owl brings a letter from Sirius Black instructing the trio to get to a certain part of Hogsmeade during their next trip and bring food. There, he basically is like, go past Hogsmeade. Into the countryside. <laughs> Question. Yeah. So it mentions that like the weather is very blustery and the owls are having trouble flying around and that yeah. this owl has all its feathers sticking up. But I was concerned and I might be confusing it with like maybe something that happens later on. I thought that possibly implied that the owl had been intercepted. Oh. I don't think that actually happened because as the chapter unfolds, like nothing happens, but I also can't remember what happens afterwards if someone's going to be like, oh, we know all about how you met up with Sirius Black. I think you that's know? a fifth book thing where they start okay, intercepting. Okay, that sounds more accurate, yeah. With the Hogwarts High Inquisitor. So I was just reading, I'm just reading way too much into the <laughs> situation. You're like, that owl has been harassed. <laughs> so before potions that afternoon... The Slytherins are giggling over Rita fucking Skeeter's latest article in Witch Weekly this time. Bullshit, 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 writes Rita Skeeter, special <laughs> correspondent. It's called Harry Potter's Secret Heartache. The Slytherins, like, give this magazine to Hermione. They're like, here, bitch, go cry, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I mean, they might as well. In the same breath that the Slytherins are teasing Hermione, the narrative says that Pansy Parkinson, a child, has a pug-like face. I can't stand when the narrative does this to children. A pug-like face? That's so fucking ugly. We're supposed to know that she's not an attractive-looking girl, and therefore that equals she's a bad person. Right. Ugly equals evil. Because we all know that <laughs> only pretty people are nice. For real. It's just, it was hard for me. Like, I know Pansy's having a hard time, but we don't have to act like this. Um, but then I just saw myself, that's just Harry being like, that bitch looks like a pug. <laughs> <laughs> he is also a 14-year-old boy. It's true. So. It's true. <laughs> so basically, the article is all about how Hermione has broken up with Harry for Victor Crumb, it says, like, she has a taste for famous wizards. And, like, how does she... But right before that, I, like, mm -hmm. this This upset me. Because I'm looking at, like, the descriptors and all the words they're using. So they're like, this 14-year-old boy who doesn't have parents anymore. And I'm like, okay, fine. Like, this is, this is like, part of her narrative. She's like, this girl's breaking these guys up. Okay, whatever. I don't, I don't respect it, but I also don't, like... I'm not, like, full on, like, I hate you, Rita Skeeter, for writing this. You know, like, this is the kind of stuff that's written in magazines. But then right. she writes, um, he'd found solace in his steady girlfriend at Hogwarts, muggle-born Hermione Granger. And I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry, that is not important. The only reason you've included that is to prompt hate from fucking bigots who are going to read this. Like, there's, that's unrelated to this entire narrative that you're trying to sell. And then even yeah. later, like, the hate she gets, half of it isn't even about Harry or Victor. It's just, like, you, like, 
you have no right to do this because you're yeah, it's definitely to make um hermione seem like a less than like she's not worthy yeah. of all of these boys because she's a muggle born yeah. and also just like the way the way that it's scarily accurate how they vil how she villainized the girl in this situation you know yeah. rather than like any other you could easily obviously like none of this is true none of this is what happened but you could easily spin it to be like victor crumb stole hermione from harry but victor the way is three years older than her that's true Whoa. but the way that they um like that she made hermione the villain in this story yeah definitely. it's just like so true to reality which is what's freaky that's yeah. true but i guess she also like she specifically doesn't like hermione now so i guess like yes. from that perspective <laughs> right. it's like okay i don't like you so you're the villain but but i do get what you're saying about how it mimics reality for sure well and the i mean i was about to say the worst part there's so many worst parts <laughs> but the thing that really upsets me is that it, the article isn't like look at her getting all these guys what a slut it's like she must be po like she must be oh, yeah. dosing them on love potion because yeah. no way could she get that either one of those guys when i'm sorry hermione could for sure get the two most awkward child <laughs> celebrities in britain <laughs> I, sorry, I'm just remembering back to the last time I was on, and I believe in that chapter it mentioned that, like, Victor Crumb is just, like, hiding in the library because that's where Hermione is, and, like, he yes. doesn't know, like, how else to interact with her, oh and my I gosh. just think that's so funny. Yeah, that was, it's adorable. That was cute. That's, that's very cute. Hermione could not have put in any less work into getting Crumb's attention. <laughs> Literally. That's true. That's true. She just has that something. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It also mentions that Victor Crumb has invited Hermione to visit him over the summer and has said he has never felt this way about anyone else. Oh, my gosh. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so that'll come up again later, probably. But, like, also at the time he said that, like... He just freaking saved her life. And I feel like when you go through, like, high-pressure situations with someone, yeah. it's, like, it's this, like, heightened emotions, so adrenaline, true. everything. It's a trauma in. bond. You're describing yeah. a trauma bond. There but Hermione, Hermione is, like, I don't, I could not care less about this right now. My friend Harry just won this. <laughs> I love that she laughs this off yeah. and she like tosses the magazine yeah, she I forget where she laughs. throws it but like yeah she laughs and she like looks at the Slytherins across the room mm -hmm. and like I don't know makes a face or something like fully showing them that it's not getting to her yeah you said you don't know where she throws it. She throws it into an empty chair, which I specifically remember clocking okay. that because then Snape comes up and is like reading magazines during that's class. What I thought. Okay, and it's like she's not I even thought. touching that's it. That's what I thought happened. And I also remember having that. And it's like they weren't reading it. It was clearly sitting on a chair yeah, like away from them, terrible. which is the point of his character. So Snape should be a writer. Snape and Rita should write together because they're both great <laughs> at this. Oh, God. But just like, so as much as we, you know, are annoyed by Rita Skeeter, I still just, I love to hate her just yeah. because like the things that she introduces to the story, I just find like so entertaining and amusing. Just like the way that she brings all this like 
not like like she brings all this drama that is so different from like What's Voldemort's trying to kill Harry yeah. drama, right. you know? Yeah. Like yeah. this is very this is like very gossipy real world drama that yeah. the rest of us could relate to of like you're well, in line at the grocery store looking at a magazine. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Yeah, which there's weekly might be something you see, you know. Yeah. There's a difference between like running a like a super racist like slandery article about like like a Hogwarts professor in like the main publication of like your, the entire country. And, Wait, has but, that happened yet? Yeah, it, it happened. Okay. And so like comparatively, this is kind of an adorable little. Yeah, and like that, <laughs> yeah, of course that's not to say that she doesn't have many terrible traits. But I like her pettiness. Yeah, for sure. So Hermione laughs it off. She throws the magazine. But 10 minutes later, she's like, wait a fucking second. How how did Rita Skeeter know that he invited me to visit him in Bulgaria? And Ron's like, what did you say? And Hermione's like, that's not why I brought this up. That's really weird. Why did she... That's How does so, she yeah, know that's that? so weird. We were, al- it was like literally right after the second task and he pulled me away from other yeah. people so they wouldn't overhear. And Ron's like, what did Ron's you say? Like, so are you going? Oh my gosh. Ron needs to calm the fuck down. Oh, I love he infuriated it. me so much. She's not looking at them. She's like blushing. I feel for her in this moment because she's trying to be logical, uh. but she like knows. <laughs> She's like, this is private, and Ron is going to get mad because he's in love with me. (laughs) So Snape confiscates the magazine, and he reads the entire article aloud to the class, pausing for laughter. Uh, Pausing for laughter. This dramatic killed me. Oh, my God. This is child abuse. This is textbook child abuse. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But also just imagine Alan Rickman's voice reading. <laughs> That's see, true. Like a, but I can't find it. Whatever. Um, so Snape's like, oh, I better separate you so your love lives don't mess you up in class. So he puts them at different tables. He puts Harry at the table right in front of his desk so he can talk shit in private for the entire class. We learn that Snape is mad because the gillyweed was stolen from his office. Obviously, he believes Harry stole it. I kind of think that that should be enough for Snape to be able to do something about his hatred for Harry. Like, where the fuck did Harry get that fucking gillyweed, dude? (laughs) But obviously, Dobby stole it, or at least that's what Harry thinks is obvious. Um, Snape is also still mad about the boomslang skin that Hermione stole in Chamber of Secrets for some reason. So Snape flashes a bottle of Viritaserum at Harry as like a flex. And he's like, this will make you spill all your secrets. And I will literally dose you on this. So don't try me. What is it with these adults and like literally freaking like threatening? And then I guess in the fifth book, like actually using torture on Harry. Like, it's it's concerning. This guy is what how old is he now like 15 right something like that 14 14 also when snape is like i'm gonna separate you three because of your intrepid love lives and i'm like snape you're one to talk about a love life forever buttered he's forever buttered (laughs) like if only harry knew at that point it's like shut up my mom friend zoned you (laughs) (laughs) I also love 
the scene in the movie. Um, it's really brief, but I think it's really where you start to see um, like Daniel Radcliffe's like sassiness Ooh, of yeah. Harry coming out where Snape and Harry are in this closet or whatever. Like Snape like pulls him aside. I don't remember exactly. And Snape is like, what's this? And Harry's like, I don't know bobble juice and he like does an <laughs> eye roll or something and then you know of course alan rickman is so great and he goes don't yeah. lie to me <laughs> oh and it's like very this good. is yeah very t- he's like one little slip over your morning pumpkin juice <laughs> and it's just a great little scene <laughs> oh my gosh i love that yeah and alan rickman's snape doesn't do the most terrible things that book Snape does. He doesn't do the Hermione teeth terrible, terrible thing. He doesn't do this reading a terrible slanderous article about minors allowed to their entire class. Like he doesn't do those terrible things. So it's like so much easier to back movie Snape. And then in the very last movie, when you get his weird Lily flashback, you're like, okay, whatever, I guess. (laughs) Alan, we didn't have to do this. You could have just died a hero. It's fine. (laughs) So then Karkaroff comes in and demands to speak privately with Snape. And Snape's like, I'm literally in the middle of class. Like, I'm a teacher. You know that. Maybe now's not the best time to talk about Death Eater stuff. Right. (laughs) So Snape is like, you have to wait. And Karkaroff stays there. So it's, it's obvious that Snape's been avoiding Karkaroff. So Karkaroff is like pinning him. What's the word? Cornering him. Cornering him. Yeah. So, right before the bell, Harry, smart little Harry, not, don't say he's not I a Ravenclaw. Just love Harry being like, oops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was wondering to myself, because he knocks ov- over some shit so he can be cleaning it after class. He's like under the table so he can eavesdrop. So, I'm wondering how much he tried to make it look like an accident or if he did just like swipe something off the table like a cat. Just like- <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, like a cat. He just. Boop. Yeah, just like fuck this bottle in particular. And I'm surprised we didn't get a comment from Snape about that. You know, about like, oh, Potter, clumsy as always. I know. I think he was just too worried that like Harry was going to like know what was going on. That he was just like, ugh, leave. Yeah, I think he's stressed. I think he's just stressed. So Harry is like watching, I guess, even though he's under the table. Karkarov's like, this thing on my arm. And Snape's like, fuck off. And Karkarov's like, no, look, it's here. It's never been this clear. Never since. Uh, what? (laughs) But Snape finally notices Harry and is like, everyone, get the fuck out of my classroom, basically. So Karkarov, I think, gets spooked by Harry being there still and leaves. And Harry's like, who, me? And runs away. Good job. Except for got us essentially no further information than what we are. Like, we already know to be suspicious of Snape and Karkaroff. So, like, this scene did nothing for us. It's just like a remark. Because I think the last time we saw them talking like this was in the middle of the Yule Ball, uh, which is, uh, there's a lot going on in that chapter. So I think that it's just Another like, hey, great don't scene from the movie. I think it's an extended scene or a deleted scene. But Snape and Karkaroff are talking as they're, like, walking through the courtyard. And then there's, like, a carriage rocking. And 
and Snape like hits like shoots his wand and oh, opens the door and like two students run out who are and like they're just going through the courtyard talking as they're like finding students like, like in the bush making bushes, out yeah. or something because oh <laughs> they're like at prom you know that's in the book in the book Snape is angrily blasting oh, is bushes oh, yeah okay. it's very good <laughs> it's very funny. good he's like I anyway, never got anyway. to make out so you can't either <laughs> 10 points from Gryffindor <laughs> oh my Okay, so finally it's Hogsmeade Day. The gang goes down to Hogsmeade. Oh my god, it's warm outside. Major like elementary school field trip vibes of like it's chilly in the morning, so you have your sweatshirt on, and then by the Mm. time you get off the bus at wherever you are, it's hot and you take your sweatshirt off and tie it around your waist for the rest of the day. That's such a vibe. That is such (laughs) a vibe. I don't know why I'm thinking about the Natural History Museum right now in (laughs) DC. That's my favorite museum. So after shopping around a little bit, they walk out beyond they get socks the village. For Dobby. Yeah, they, get yes. they do. They get socks. Um, the one that I remember is the when they scream when they get too smelly. So, <laughs> as I was reading that, I don't know why it, this crossed my mind, but it just made me laugh. The phrase like. Well, screaming socks just sounds like something <laughs> that like a 1920s flapper would say, like oh screaming God. socks. <laughs> you won't believe it. Oh <laughs> screaming socks. He's the cat's pajamas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I know some people where those socks would be screaming all the all time day. nonstop, but that is not my business. <laughs> so they walk into the countryside. They walk until the end of the lane. It's like this isn't civilization anymore. You're in you're in the country now. And at the end of the lane there is a dog with some newspapers in his mouth just waiting for them. What Who is that boy. guy? Yeah, what a good boy. <laughs> they follow Sirius it's serious. They follow Sirius <laughs> up the hills and into a cave and Buckbeak is hiding there. Buckbeak. Buckbeak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was cute, we guys. Did it that was at the cute. same time. We all love Buckbeak. The best character. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so much personality. Uh, no, excuse me. Um Wither Wither Wings, right? Isn't that oh, her yeah, code Wither name Wings. now? <laughs> Wings. Yeah. Hermione and Buckbeak are my two favorite characters because they're the only ones who ever directly hit Draco Malfoy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's You're true. so right. <laughs> You're so right. Sirius Black turns back into a human, but I would like to add that he does this before he spits <laughs> out the newspapers. <laughs> I think he's, he's like, gotten- I'm a human. I have newspapers in my mouth. <laughs> I think he's just gotten way That's too so used funny. to the dog form. He's like, yeah, I am one true. with it now. Yeah. Yeah. He is not looking great. He's very skinny. He eagerly eats some food. He's still wearing the clothes that he had in Azkaban, which he's probably had for 13, which he probably had for, you know, the 12 years he was in it. 12 years. And then it's been one more year since then. Like, could he have not, you know, like stolen like a shirt off of a clothesline? I know. I know. He should have said bring food and clothes. And clothes. Yeah. (laughs) Just because like if nothing else, I just think it would be really demoralizing to be wearing prison clothes. Even when you work at a job where you get to wear whatever you want, you still come home and you're like, oh, God, let me get out of these work clothes, you know? Yeah. It's like you're wearing leggings and a sweater, you know? It's like, oh, just got to do something different. The vibe is worky over here. So Sirius Black is, throughout the rest of the scene, eagerly eating all of the food. Not saving any of it, I don't think. I think he eats all of it. No rationing. Um, 
no rationing whatsoever so they they just the they just chat they chat about all the weirdness um they start by talking at length about barty crouch senior at this point he's just barty crouch as a reminder there's only one so Sirius suggests that harry's wand might have been stolen in the box during the world cup because they're like oh okay who was in that box Barty Crouch's house elf, not Barty Crouch, uh, the Malfoys, the Minister of Magic, the Bulgarian Minister of, and fucking, Ludo fucking Ludo Bagman. Bagman. And Sirius Black is like, I don't know that guy. Uh, I don't know anything about him. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and Harry's like, I don't know, he's nice but weird. And it's like, that's pretty much it. There's no it, secrets about- Which is- um. Really funny for listeners of Potterless because when Mike was reading Goblet of Fire, he was like convinced that Ludo Bagman like was Voldemort or Hell something. You know, he was like uh, obviously he he was Ludo Bagman a is a Death Eater because um, yeah. there is and like looking back on it, when you pick up on all these details, you're like he is acting really yeah. suspicious yeah, I that mean, is a, weird he's a classic red herring um, yes. and, and that's why they took him out of the movie because they were like we don't have time for red herrings i'm like i get that but it is good to have a red herring because because there is something going on with him and like is it this thing or is it like some other thing turns out it's some other thing it's but gambling, we gambling right yeah <laughs> it's fucking it's gambling, gambling. <laughs> Man, the last book I read, there was like a big mystery and it was like, what's the mystery? And it was like fucking gambling debts. And it's like, why do people let this happen? to them? So reading this chapter really just reminded me, I, I think we've talked before about how Harry Potter essentially comes down to these are mystery novels for kids. Like they're just yeah. all, you know, whodunits and you're picking up all these pieces as you read the book and then there's always like the two chapters at the end where everyone sits around and talks about everything and the pieces fall into place and this is definitely one of those chapters where like they're dropping all these hints about like you know something on their arm and Crouch's family and wasn't that weird Winky was saving um, a seat but he didn't show up and what else? Yeah. yeah, and then like yeah, and then things about like Ludo Bagman's being really weird, and then you find out about that later. This is definitely like a foreshadowing chapter, I guess. Yeah, there's a lot going on, and some of it relates to like our final resolution, and like some of it doesn't. And it's it's I mean, this is just like the the plot of this book. I remember as a kid being like, this is a grown up book now. Like I'm doing real grown up shit. Like there is mm. a plot happening here uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of plot happening here. So we learn <clears throat> that Barty Crouch Sr. sent Sirius Black to Azkaban without, without a, a trial. trial. Without mm. a trial. Without a trial. I just cannot believe it. The way that she describes how serious his face because they say something they he, it's something like oh do, do you know crouch and it's his face like visibly darkens and like his eyes are reflecting like what he would have gone through in Azkaban as he's mm -hmm. like remembering yeah. this and the entire time he's talking about it like that doesn't go away it's not like a jolt and then okay I'm back to normal it's like he like that was so fucking traumatic like he can't think about that guy and not relive that entire thing exactly yeah and this is why you don't send people to jail without a trial like yeah. what Veritasium <laughs> and the, the thing the, okay Veritasium aside 
a trial probably would have still sent Sirius Black to Azkaban and it would have yeah, sucked, I so but I would have felt better about it. Yeah. Um, I just can't. I mean, what on earth? You've like abolished that entire justice system. If you're just like, okay, yeah, we're just throwing random people in a jail. We're like yeah. using the unforgivable curses, which we literally, which are literally outlawed, but now we're suddenly going to use them because we're panicked and we don't know what else to do. It's like, you can't just, you can't just start going back on everything that your society is built on yes. just because yeah. like you're going through hard times, you know? Like, For yeah. sure. Even- even the fucking Nazis got a trial, dude. Like yeah. you try Ooh, people. True, yeah. yeah. So, um, I lo- I love the moment where Sirius is like, "Oh, you guys are you guys are kids. You weren't there. You wouldn't understand what it was like." And Ron says, "Try us." You know. Oh, I We've- love that. I scheduled a tweet about that. <laughs> okay, good to know. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, Ron is like. We've heard that before. Try us. You know, yeah. like we're never going to understand unless someone explains it to us. And so the way that Sirius explains that, like, you don't get it back then, like, especially like after the fall of Voldemort and everything, everything had to be black and white. Yeah. And we had and like sure things were probably people were overcorrecting in the opposite direction. And that's what Crouch was doing. Yeah. Um And. Like that was the danger in it is that, but like that was the way it had to be for them because they were just, it was like there was no room for any sort of evil to grow. They're like, we're going to shut that down immediately. Yeah. I do. I really, really love that Ron says, Sirius says, you are too young to understand. Ron says, try us. I love, love that out of Mm -hmm. the three of them, it's Ron who says that. Because I love all these small moments in the book where Ron is brave and like you don't get to see him in the movie. You almost don't even notice him in the book, but he does it. He's like, try us. And the flip side of that is that it really goes to show that like Sirius Black is is just comes across really trustworthy. Like they're they're like, this is a guy who like I think I can like I don't think he would say that to his dad you know like I don't think he would say that his family dynamic is completely different but this conversation frames them all like equals trying to figure out this thing yeah Yeah, and also that like Sirius is looking at them not as you know little kids he's kind of recognizing like hey if you're like old enough to be in a triwizard tournament you know fighting against dragons and you're dealing with this sort of stuff i guess you're old enough to hear this from me and he kind of you know he understands that they're kids but he and that you know that's kind of that's his character flaw too later on that he's not really treating them like kids but it's something where he is that like the kids appreciate because everyone else does treat them like kids. And so it's nice for them to talk to him and get things like straight. Yeah. Especially right now when everything is so happening to them, you know, like in this, the first book, for example, it's like, somebody's going to steal the Sorcerer's Stone. And it's like, okay, don't worry about it, maybe. Because that's just really out of your wheelhouse. Yeah. It's like, you didn't um, need to get involved, yeah. but you yeah. did. So. But in this, it's like, I have been put in this contest that I didn't consent to. I'm going to die. It's illegal. Yeah, like, a child. Like, I literally have no I'm idea what's going on. Yeah. Like, there's so many. My wand got stolen. Like, there's a lot of crazy things happening to Harry yeah. in this book. And he's already, like, 
gone through so much that you can't make that same argument of like you're not part of these things anymore because it's he is the thing now like right he is exactly he is the thing now and it's like (laughs) i found voldemort's ghost two years ago (laughs) you know like and then his ghost in a different way the year before that two different kinds of ghosts ghosts. Yeah, so Sirius explains that, um, kind of like you said, Mary Clay, Crouch was always staunchly anti-dark side. He was also vicious and power hungry. Like, it goes to show that, like, being anti-evil doesn't make you a good person. Like, a lot of billionaires would never murder someone, you know, but it's like their businesses are unethical. Or, like, a lot of politicians, Mm -hmm. you know, are like... It's like, I'm not going to rob you, but like, Crouch I'm also not going to pass like, the legislation you need. In the Crouch is a politician, like in the truest sense of the word of like, at the time he was just doing anything to try and, and that's what Sirius reveals is that he was almost minister. Um, and the thing that would have, that was getting him this popularity was being so strict about, you know, uh, sending people to Azkaban without trials and, and whatnot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess just because, like, at the time, things were just so fucking, like, I don't want to use the word uncertain because now I feel like I've traumatized myself with that word over the last couple of years, but I can't think of another word. (laughs) But, like, just, like, I guess things were so uncertain and confusing for everybody Mm -hmm. that it's, like, even if you're, like, okay, this guy might not be doing the right thing, but this guy's confident and self-assured and we need someone to just do something, even if it's not the right thing. Yeah. And I'm thinking about, like, I mean, Fudge got elected. And Fudge is, like, such a different person. God. He's such a different person from Barty Crouch. Like, I'm trying to draw political allegories to, like, politicians that I'm familiar with, but it's hard. And I can't think about it. We're doing a bonus episode, I think, next. I think it's our March. Wait, no, it's our April bonus episode, I think. Whatever. It's coming eventually. Uh, We're doing, like, a what if episode. So I'm adding this to my question. Uh, my question list for that: What if Barty Crouch Senior had been elected instead of Ooh. Fudge? Oh. And if you want to know, that's a great question. Yeah, and if you want to know what we have to say about it, sign up for our Patreon. The links in the show notes. Nice plug. Thank you. Crouch was supposed to become Minister of Magic until his son dun, dun, was convicted dun. of Death Eatery activities. Mm-hmm. In the in the movie, the way that we learn this information is Harry um, falls into a scene in Dumbledore's. Pe- the pen- is it pensive or pensive? Pe- or pensive? pensive. Okay. Because pensive. it's like a, it's like you know like a sieve for your noodles. Well, I or know whatever. that it comes from like like pensive. The adjective is describing someone being really thoughtful and right. thinking a lot. So that's what I immediately go to. Anyway, yeah, so the way that this information comes to us in the movie is Harry goes into a scene in the Pensieve and we're in the trial of Karkaroff. I can't does that scene happen in the book too? Yeah. Okay, okay. Um it's less I, like expositiony in the book. I love that scene because of the way that Karkaroff says and reveals, you know, oh, well, your son is a Death Eater. He says, Bartimus Crouch. <laughs> and then he paused for effect. 
And then he kind of like leans forward and he goes, Junior. <laughs> and David Tennant it's is the like, best. David yeah. Tennant is like, you know what will make me look really innocent if I run? <laughs> if I run, yeah. And then like they capture him and he's like, hello, father. <laughs> I love it so Great. much. I so, love like, it so much. That's what I was imagining, like reading all this information being revealed. Yeah. And yeah. Junior. Bartimus Crouch. Mm-hmm. Junior. I think that my brain has like a mismemory of that because in my brain he is like Bartimus Crouch Jr. Come on, now. like really, Come on like, now. Like, dramatic. the price is right. <laughs> da, da, da. So, da, da, da. so it, the son was convicted of being a Death Eater. So Barty Crouch did not become the Minister of Magic, but the son died. So don't worry, don't worry about it. The son's dead, and like, we don't his have to worry. wife died shortly Wife after died too. too so barty crouch lost everything so Aww. sad Sucks to yeah suck. it is pretty sad it's pretty sad he's also been missing yes he's also <laughs> missing concerning <laughs> weird <laughs> it is weird because i think sirius says if he's ever missed a day of work before this i'll eat hip <laughs> uh buckbeak i was gonna say i'll eat hippogriff i'll eat buckbeak um so he has a reputation for not being the kind of person to miss work. And it seems now that he's missed months. Like, I think we're up at like maybe four months now. Yeah, I think it's yeah. March right yeah, now. Like November and they mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been going on since bef- before Christmas. Um, I don't remember if he was at the first task. I mentioned something about he came up. He was at. Hogwarts, I think, for the Goblet of Fire ceremony. He was. Um, and then it mentioned something about snooping around Snape's office. Um, yep, that was, that was on the Marauders map. Oh, yeah, and that uh, was when it was actually not oh, him. Oh, that's a little foreshadowing. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so, yes, Barty Crouch was present at the first task. But he was not at the second task. He was not at the second, and he was not at the Yule Ball. Because the Percy was like, Harry, sit next to me. <laughs> <laughs> pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. And Harry's Speaking like, well, of- I will do anything to not pay attention <laughs> to my date, the beautiful Parvati Patil. <laughs> Those poor girls. I know. Yeah. And in this chapter, at the beginning of this chapter, it's like Apparently, Pat- Padma's been paying a lot of attention to Ron to ever Ron. since he survived the lake. And I'm like, Padma! Like- Girl, do you not remember? How about where's those hot French guys? <sighs> so now the conversation kind of turns to Snape briefly. Sirius is just like, I don't fucking know why Dumbledore hired that guy. Uh, I, he's probably, he's probably as an adult now being in his brain like, I hated him. Was that because I was a bully? I don't know. He just always had bad vibes to me. I don't know, man. He hung out with a lot of Death Eaters. <laughs> Which he was not, you know, wrong to have those feelings. Right. <laughs> I mean, they bullied Snape for sure, but also Snape was a Death Eater. So it's like, yeah, yeah bully your local Death Eater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he was never formally accused of being a Death Eater himself. So Sirius is like, I don't fucking know. To Sirius's credit, he easily could have been like, yeah, no, fuck that guy. You guys should never listen. But he does say like, no. Dumbledore, like, I trust Dumbledore, and Dumbledore clearly trusts him. He wouldn't hire Snape if he didn't trust him. So, <laughs> it, like, it's even true, though I don't feel great about it, D- Dumbledore clearly trusts him for a reason. It's true. And I think that if 
James Potter had been in the conversation, James Potter would have been like, nah, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. (laughs) And even after the scene in the last book um, where, you know, Sirius and all of them are um, in the tree and Snape comes in Mm -hmm. and everything. So, like, even after that, the fact that he did that, I guess we, yeah, I, I didn't think of it that way. Like, we do have to give credit to Sirius for sure. Yeah, yeah. Sirius asks Ron to ask Percy if he has seen Barty Crouch lately, um, and also to ask about Bertha Jorkins, which is like very funny. That this is this indicates to me that Sirius knows nothing about Ron Weasley because <laughs> Ron can't ask something like this slick and casual. Like he, I'm thinking about the telephone call at the um, Dursley's house where it was yeah, Ron. And it was yeah. like Harry, can you hear me? I'm just imagining Ron writing the letter like. Dear Percy, how are you? Anyway, weird how Barty Crouch disappeared. Anyway, have you seen him recently? Oh my also, how about that Bertha Jorkins? Super also weird. Also weird. Anyway, miss you. Kisses. Hope to see you at Easter. Mom says hi. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh. I think that would be tell mom I say hi. Que- question about... Percy, because mm-hmm. um, Ron says, he says something about like, oh, he's probably like thrilled that Crouch is out of office right now because right. he's like going to get his position or whatever. Percy's always been so ambitious. How was Percy not in Slytherin then? I think there is something to say for legacy. You're more likely to get into a college if your parents went there. So I think. the sorting hat was like, uh, Gryffindor. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think when a Weasley rolls up, the sorting hat's like, ah, I don't even have to think about this one. This one yeah. Gryffindor. <laughs> because I agree with you. Like, I think you, you think would make a better on, The sorting hat was like, oh, maybe I read <laughs> the sorting hat's asleep and then he wakes up in the middle of the night. Oh, my God. <sighs> Percy Weasley, he should have been in <laughs> Slytherin. <laughs> and then goes back to sleep. Yeah. I mean, I think that... I think most of the other Weasleys, you could make a case for Gryffindor. You could make a case for other houses. Like, I think that the twins would have done really well in Hufflepuff, like, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, I think that Percy's the only one where it's, like, Gryffindor feels wrong. Like, it feels Mm -hmm. like all Gryffindor did was give him more bravado for no reason. Yes. The audacity of white men. (laughs) I'm head boy. (laughs) (sighs) Percy. So Sirius Black clarifies that he knew Bertha Jorkins and that everyone who is accusing Bertha Jorkins of being forgetful is wrong. She's dumb, but she is not forgetful. She has a really excellent memory, particularly for gossip. And I I think we all know, like, (laughs) I think we all know this person. It's like, you act dumb, but like, I know you're not in there. Like, I know in deep in there, you're not dumb. She's smart. She's just not book smart, probably. Yeah. And like, and like, she doesn't use her smarts for obviously the right things because there's totally people like that where you're like, you know what? If you just like tried, like, you have smarts. You just don't use them. Mm-hmm. And she's like, right. this is more interesting to me. Let me like focus on the gossip in town. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think that I wish I got to meet. A proper Bertha Jorkins. I think eventually we get to meet her in a memory, but like I just wish justice for Bertha Jorkins forever, forever, forever. Justice for Bertha Jorkins. It's giving misogyny, you know. Yeah, all the papers being like, sure. oh my gosh, she was an idiot. Dumb idiot loves gossip. <laughs> no wonder she disappeared. <laughs> she probably just walked into the woods and said, Where am I? And then yeah. just kept walking. Um, but series is like hard stop. That's not right. <laughs> 
It's like something's fishy, fishy's happening there. And and one of the papers also mentions that the minister has somehow gotten involved with that disappearance. I can't right. remember if we learn more about that later or if that's just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I think it's just like an escalation. It's like at first everyone was like, she'll be back. It's fine. And then it was like, yeah, OK, maybe we should do something. And now it's like, OK, well, we're worried now. The Minister <laughs> of Magic is on it. It's been almost a year. <laughs> ah, what? Yikes. Guys, if I'm missing, please act sooner. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? In the end, Sirius Black sends the kids back to school and he instructs them that if they talk about him, they should call him Snuffles. <laughs> Why not Padfoot? <laughs> why? Like, why? Maybe because of Snape. But like, does does Snape know that his name his nickname is Padfoot? I think Snape knows. Okay, I think he knows. Did the I don't know if I'm. You know when I have no idea which book this happens in, but you know when Snape like gets the map and it makes fun of him. When that's the last book. Okay, so that already happened. So wasn't yeah. the name Padfoot on the map? So he would... Padfoot was yeah, on the but map. He, but did he know that that was connected to Sirius? Like, does he know that Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs are James, Sirius, Peter, and <laughs> I missed one. <laughs> Remus. <laughs> you know, when I started this podcast, I was like, by the end of this, I'm going to know everything about Harry Potter. No, but- <laughs> I just All don't fucking remember. All we're discovering is that, like, there's probably a lot of plot holes that I mean, JK for sure. Yeah. So many plot holes, so much sexism, so much racism. Another, like, question for us. So, okay. uh, they met, Harry says, Oh, yeah, I saw Karkaroff show Snape his arm. And, and Siri says, Oh, I don't know anything about that. Right. Is it not, like, public knowledge that Death Eaters have a tattoo on their arm? Um, a couple things. One, I don't know. Well, I guess just one thing. The main thing is, I don't... But also, it, even, and even if it wasn't public knowledge, Sirius was in Azkaban. Surely he would have seen other people with a dark mark tattoo on their arm. I don't think that Azkaban is like a regular prison. I don't think the inmates spend time together. Okay, well, whatever. Well, but, surely, and also, like, I think that if something is public knowledge, uh, if it has come out since... Sirius has been in prison. I don't think he would necessarily know it if it's something they learned like after his downfall or whatever. What do you okay. think, Hermit? I think I was wondering the same thing, but I think it. I don't think it is public knowledge. Like I think it's because I remember. Oh my gosh, what book was that? When like because I I remember a specific instance when Snape is telling everybody about the what like that the Death Eaters have the Death Mark. So mm-hmm. I don't think he would have been telling everybody about it if it was public knowledge like it, he was saying it in a way where it was like hey here's this secret thing that i know because yeah. i was a death eater i'm almost positive that is at the end of this book in the chapter yeah. called the parting of the ways where um yeah. fudge is like i don't believe you and Sirius black i know the other guy snape is like okay well here's my fucking nazi tattoo <laughs> yeah. um it's yeah, pretty itchy right. yeah <laughs> it's pretty itchy that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so I think... Because yeah. that is, like, a cool... Every once in a while, Snape has a good move. And, like, that's a cool move, is when yeah. Fudge is like, I don't believe you, this is scary. And <laughs> Snape's like, okay, well, let me tell this whole room that I have, like, a fucking swastika tattooed on my arm or whatever, And it's basically. glowing, which and means <laughs> he's <laughs> back. Yeah. He's back, baby. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. So that's why, like, I, I don't think it's something that we know. I think just because we know everything about the series, it feels like, why don't these people know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, yep. Cool. Well, that's the end of the chapter. Harmit, did you have any, like, last-minute things you want to talk about or, like, questions? I want to talk about Siri. Sirius, I... Okay, when I first read this series, when I was 12, I think, I made a list of, like, because I, I have always been, like, a big, like, quotes and, like, poetry person. So I made a right. list of, like, all the oh. quotes that I loved. And Sirius mm. said something in this chapter. What did he say? Yes. He says, I know the one you're talking about. Um, if you want to know what a man's like, take a good look at how he treats his inferiors, not his equals. And I'm just yes. like, oh, my gosh. This is, like, word gold. And I'm yeah. so here for it. But I remember, like, I would always mix up Sirius's quotes and Dumbledore's. So until I read that in this chapter, in my mind, that was something that Dumbledore had said, not Sirius. Mm. And now I'm like, dang, I really, oh. I really have not been appreciating Sirius. Because I'm always like, oh, that's Sirius Dumbledore. Is great. Yeah, I love his, like, I, I love his quotes. I love. He truly comes off as like having this wisdom that one can only have after going through like the prison system the hard <laughs> prison system in yeah. uh in the wizarding world you know yeah. of like he's grown up he's in a lot of ways he has not grown up at all but in a lot of ways he's Dude, experienced he got arrested more, when he was like 20 years old he's experienced more life than other people have, or like the rea yeah. the harsh realities of the world it's kind yeah. of like yeah and that's another thing that i think like just adds to the bond that him and harry also have like obviously uh, there's that thing of like okay you're like my best friend's son and i see you as my best friend but also just that thing of like having things thrust on them and they're like literally children and what is happening uh, yeah our babies I love Sirius. <laughs> I know, me too. I, man, oh. I did not cry harder for a death than for Sirius's. That bro. Oh, man. Oh. Who am I going to put on that chapter? Oh. Tune in a year from now to find <laughs> oh, out. Man, that was, ugh, that. I, I, I remember I was sitting there it's and rough. I closed the book and I was like, I am not reading this series. I was like, I'm done with the series. Yeah. I can't read this. Because I yeah. had, like, I had all my hopes. I was innocent. I was literally 12. So I was like, <laughs> okay, totally. He's going to go stay at Sirius's house. That's going to work yeah. out. I had, like, no concept of, like, you know. And then it happened. And I was like, what? That trauma really prepared you to read A Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> yeah. Now now I'm, like, more cynical with, with yeah, what Yeah, everyone you love happen. is dead already. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then there was me who I, the first five movies had come out and I had watched them before I read the books and then I started reading the books. So I knew that Sirius was going to die at the end of Order of Phoenix. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, okay, I know it's happening. So oh. it won't surprise me. Damn. I still saw so like angry sobbing. <laughs> I mean, the thing with Sirius's uh, death, and I know we all know, and I know we're gonna talk about this later, is that it's like it's like not a proper death. It's not like yeah. a killing spell. It's not a dead body. It's, it's like some like it's a freak accident. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, is he alive in some other dimension? Like, what the fuck <laughs> is this thing? I don't know. I'm the, in the Department of Mystery. What actually, what got me more than his than the chapter where he actually dies is the chapter where Harry <gasps> yeah. and Dumbledore are just in his office, and then Harry is just like screaming at Dumbledore, oh. and it's just cry. I'm literally about to like, yeah. <laughs> to, to cry stop, now stop, thinking stop, about stop. it. It's so. 
heart-wrenching. Harry lost, like, the only person that he's come to know as a dad at this point. Okay, we're, like, way too ahead of our... Sirius is alive in this chapter, y'all. He's alive in this chapter, and that's what matters. And don't forget, if you're talking about me among yourselves, call me Snuffles, okay? That's that's where we're at right now. That's the energy we're ending this with. Snuffles. Out of all the dog names in all the world. <laughs> snuffles. I just, I almost have an urge to just be like Snuffles. Or like, like, yeah. Yeah. The sniffle. Why yeah. like, yeah, not saying Snuffles? I'm like. Also, like, Sirius, could you not have picked a name that doesn't start with the same initial that your real name starts with? the ending. Like, S at the beginning and at the end. Yeah, Snuffles and Sirius. Yeah. Like. I feel like not that different. Let's pick some different names There's, here. You can name a dog and you can name pets anything. Okay. Adorifia's cats are named Brisket and Fries. I have been hanging out with this dog recently named Bow Bow. Like Bow you can name Bow? pets anything. That's it's a pug puppy. It's like oh, <laughs> very cute. That's so you can name pets anything. So like it doesn't have to be Snuffles. Who would Snuffles. adopt a dog and be like Snuffles? Well, maybe if it was a pug, you'd be like Snuffles. Snuffles. <laughs> yeah. All right, are we ready to move on to plugs? Let's. Woo! Hell yeah. I would love to start, as I always do, by plugging our Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you can join our online Discord community, which is a very fun place to be. Um, And then this month's bonus episode, we're going to go through the brackets of a very special Harry Potter fight club to see who would win the ultimate brawl. This is a fisticuffs only fight club. There's no magic involved. Oh, okay. I love that. Otherwise, Voldemort would just win. Uh, My money's on (laughs) crab. (laughs) Okay, okay. Yeah, take your bets. Um, My money's on Ur- Ur- Goyle. I can't tell them apart. <laughs> I think in the movies, Goyle is bigger. Goyle's the taller yeah. one, I think. Yeah. Harmit, where can people find you and your podcast on the internet? Yeah, so our podcast, um, you can just search up Pop Culture Symposium on you know Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, and then you can also follow us on Instagram for regular updates. Our Instagram is also at Pop Culture Symposium. And if you go to our Instagram, you can also click the link in the bio and join the new Discord server that we just made. Whoa, um, and woo. yeah, so yeah. Go find That's us. so exciting. Congrats. Yeah, it's it's so fun. It's so fun to be able to, like, talk to everyone because I can't talk to anybody. So it's nice to finally be able to do that. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, do you have, like, a spoilers channel that you never look at? We have a spoilers channel that I can't even access, so. Good. That, <laughs> that's what Mary Clay did when she was reading Lord yeah, of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. It was really fun for me when I finished, like every time I finished a bit, you know, a big section or whatever of Tolkien, I would go, I would like scroll all the way back up to the top and be like, oh, they were, they weren't talking. No one was talking shit about me, but I was wow, like, Mary obviously so my dumb. head, she doesn't already know the plot of obviously my head, in my head, I was like, they're just in there talking oh, shit about me. <laughs> yeah. It's your fucking discord. I know. <laughs> So, Harmit, what have you been watching or reading or listening to or playing lately that you think the listeners of our podcast might enjoy? Ooh, um, I'm not a big, like, I love cool plots. I think cool plots are amazing. I think it's cool when authors, filmmakers can pull that off. But I'm more of a character person. I will watch something if it has a bad plot Mm -hmm. and not care, like, as long as, you know, everything else is good. So if you're a big plot person, you wouldn't like it. But if you're like me and you're like a kind of character, you know, that kind of stuff, 
watch Little Woman. I have been living under a rock since it came out. Everybody that I know has seen it. And I watched it the other night and I don't know if it was PMSing or what it was, but I cried five times and I have never cried Aww. more than once for like books are different because books actually like make me full on sob. But for movies, yeah. I, I've, I'll cry. Like if it really moves me, I'll cry maybe once. But that movie, I cried five times. Wow. And you guys need to go watch it right now if you haven't. Because it just, like, it just, like, the family dynamics. But then there was also, like, a three-way love triangle. And it was everything about it was just really good. And you guys need to watch it because it's amazing. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely will. I ha- I hadn't watched it before. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary Clay, where can people find you? What are you doing? I've never heard of your <laughs> podcast before. <laughs> um... If you would like to, you can listen to That's What I'm Talking About wherever you get podcasts. There are new episodes every Tuesday. Um, I'm trying to think. As this episode comes out, next week will be the first episode on the Silmarillion. Yes. When you released that episode about memes last week, I was like, she is delaying the Silmarillion. Well, no, but I did genuinely want to do an episode on memes. (laughs) It was excellent. It was excellent. It was not me stalling. Next week's episode is kind of me stalling. But also, um, so the episode that came out yesterday, I had someone on um, to basically I was asking all these questions about the Amazon series, because there's a lot of information that I'm like, so confused about. And I'm like, what is the show even about? What works of Tolkien's is this show based on that has everyone up in arms about like, it's not true to the source material and then come to find out that like, the source material isn't actually that extensive, depending on like what they had rights to. And so got all of that sorted out. And so now I have like, sort of a clearer idea of of what the show is going to be about. So if you're interested in learning more about the Amazon show and like all of these announcements that have been happening in the last um, month or so, you can check out that episode. Um, but yeah, I'll be doing the Silmarillion. Um, cool. Okay, I guess I'll read it. the end of 2022. Yep, <laughs> and I probably guess I'll longer. fucking read it. I have my illustrated edition and it's just, it's sitting behind me. It looks really pretty I just actually, sitting there. I really need to, I need to read it because I record for the first episode on Saturday, so. Hell yeah, well, good luck, dude. I'm really excited for you. I think it's going to be good. Uh, We'll see. Like Bible study. (laughs) Yeah, Bible study, yes, yes. (laughs) So what do you have to recommend to our listeners this week? Okay, so I'm pretty sure the last time I was on, I recommended The Witcher, Um, but here's the thing. (laughs) I am... (laughs) Okay, bitch. <laughs> I have like gone in a full downward, downward spiral of the Witcher universe, and I am like fully hyper fixated on it now, um, th- because the universe is so extensive. Mm-hmm. There are these very well made video games that are like open world. Like, j- just so much happening. Um, I've been playing Witcher 3. Nice. Everyone, is, everyone I know is playing Witcher 3 right <laughs> yeah. now, including mm-hmm. me. Um, and it's because I, when the, after the first season of The Witcher came out, 
I heard, I heard the same thing, that The Witcher 3 is the best of the three. So if there's one you want to play, just jump in and play that. And a lot of people were like, it doesn't really matter, you know, if you don't know what happens in the first two, you'll yeah, still for enjoy sure. it. And then I got to a point in the game where, like, I just kept dying and I couldn't figure out what I was supposed to do and how I was supposed to move forward. And I had, like, no healing items and I had no way to, like, go out of the situation and get more healing items. And so I just stopped playing. And then season two came out and then that reignited and and so I went back and I started the game over again. And then now I ha- like I-, I enjoyed this conversation very much. Don't get me wrong. But I would literally rather be playing The Witcher right now because wow, I'm so bitch. addicted to it. And it's okay. a problem. <laughs> it's such a problem to the point where yesterday I was wondering if I could get away with not going to the grocery store. I was like, okay, I think the only thing I have to eat is a bag of frozen chicken nuggets. How long can those chicken nuggets last me <laughs> if I don't amazing. go to the store? Oh because gosh. all I want to do is sit on the couch and play The Witcher 3. I like it. It's a it's a concern. <laughs> That's y'all. amazing. So, um, that being said, check out The Witcher Three. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Like, if you have an addictive personality, I mean, don't play video games. Oh, don't play video <laughs> games. But for me, it's like I love open world video games that's why i love zelda breath of the wild so much because i love just being like i know i'm supposed to go do this mission but like i'm gonna go check out that tree over there and she's chaotic and then like on the way over to the tree you run into a bear and then like while you're running away from the bear you go into a bandit camp and then you defeat the bandits and then like It's just great. I like open world because I get frustrated with video games really easily. And I like being able to really build up my experience before I go to the thing that I'm supposed to be doing because I'm probably not good enough at video games unless I'm a little OP'd for this. Yes, I do lots of like, oh, okay, well, I died at that point. So maybe I'll just come back here when I'm like 20 levels, um, 20 levels ahead of like when it says. (laughs) Dope. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I've been your host, Christina. You know where to find me. Um, I'm going to plug the books I've been reading lately. I'm not going to plug the ones I didn't like. I'm only going to plug the ones I did like. So let's just skip over where the fucking crawdads sing. Ooh. That book sucked. That book fucking sucked. Interesting, because I've heard a lot of people. I don't want to talk about it. Really like that. Interesting. I usually I really trust it, so. Reese Witherspoon's judgment, but not today. <laughs> Reese, yeah, she did us wrong. All right. So, um, since the last time I plugged books, I have read Lockdown on London Lane by our friend Beth Reekles. Beth! That was a really adorable contemporary romance that weirdly made me feel nostalgic for the beginning of COVID. <laughs> so that was like a weird feeling, oh, but God. I did. I also read A Black Women's History of the United States by Dana Ramey Berry and Callie. Nicole Gross, which is exactly what it sounds like. It is the history of the United States told from the context of black women. And it was incredibly enlightening. Very cool stories. It's March now, but it's never too late to read a book about how black people have affected the history of the United States. Um, There's also one that I haven't read yet, a black and Latinx um, history of the United States. This is from the revisionist history series that, um, Taylor, oh, whatever. Taylor plugged that last week. I'm just remembering right now that Taylor plugged this exact book last week. I also read Octavia's Brood, science fiction stories from social justice movements. Um, it's an anthology of short stories that are all um, written or uh, about people of color um, 
and it's Octo- Octavia's Brood um, in homage to Octavia Butler. So that was a really cool collection of stories. Oh. I read I'm Not Dying With You Tonight by Gilly Siegel or maybe Jilly. No, no, it's got to be Gilly. <laughs> uh, Jilly? Wait, <laughs> Jilly Siegel? Well, Jilly there's Siegel. Jill. Yeah, I don't know, actually. Um, And Kimberly Jones, that was a really cool contemporary fiction. So I read that in one day, you know, about about three or four hours. And that was just a really cool kind of like a light version of The Hate You Give, if you're familiar with that. I also read The Silent Patient by, oh, man, Alex Michaelides, Michaelides, Michaelides. <laughs> um, and that was a really dope mystery that caught Michael me off Adiz guard. Not! Sorry. <laughs> it's quite all right. Cool mystery if you like cool mysteries. Um, so that is what I've been reading lately, Dang. and I recommend all of those. Um, I have been reading The Witcher. <laughs> you forget <laughs> that I'm... Surprise. Hey, Mary Clay, try being unemployed, okay? You can read oh so much when you're unemployed. I could read so... There's so much more Witcher content I could consume. Have you tried the books? Because they're bad. Wait, the wit- No, I am actually reading the books. Are you really? You like them? Yeah. Oh, good for you. I tried reading Blood of Elves, and I had a lot of trouble with the translation. I, I found some translation issues that I could not overcome, um, which is fine. Okay. That's fine. So I'm glad you're enjoying them. Anyway, Harmit, thank you so, so much for joining us today. It was an p- absolute pleasure to have yeah, you. Yeah, sorry if I talked too much no, about The Witcher. Oh, my God. No, that's all good. Thank you so much for having me. That was so fun. It was nice to just yes. geek out about Harry Potter again after so long. Yes. And I think that I'm hoping that for Order of the Phoenix, I can get you and Nav on together so that we can, um, yeah, get the gang back together (laughs) and talk about something. Oh, wait. I actually think Nav has already signed up for a chapter for Order of the Phoenix. (laughs) Um, Yes, they have. It's the hearing. Nav was like, get me there for that courtroom drama. Oh, my God. God. I just remembered how the Order of the Phoenix takes forever to, like, get started. It's It's true. Thank you so much. It was so good to have you. And definitely everyone go check out A Song of Ice and Fire Symposium because it is delightful. Thank you so much. Yeah, and Mary Clay, thank you so much for being my trusty co-pilot. Sorry. (laughs) Just apologizing. (laughs) All right, gang. I got to go finish reading My Godfather, The Big Black Dog, before this book sends its own son to wizard prison. Bye. Somebody else say bye. 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 Perfect. Thank you. Crushed it. The Restricted Section is a member of the Movie Night Crew Network, which features other amazing podcasts such as its namesake, The Movie Night Crew, which is an extra chaotic podcast featuring the gang just shooting the shit about whatever movie they just watched. Alrighty. It's movie night. Grab your popcorn. Grab your coffee. Grab your friend. Grab a cat. And let's go. Who directed this? What year did it come out? Is that that girl from that show? Who wrote this? Where's the cat? Who would you rather bang? Pass the popcorn. Does this pass the Bechdel test? What about the Steve Buscemi test? Does a woman literally speak in this movie? Oh my god, a dog. This reminds me of in Harry Potter when... Are we recording? What do the critics say? It's a guilty pleasure. What's your rating? Can you be quiet? Oh my god. Movie Night Crew.
It's just like watching movies with your friends. And then arguing about it after. Every Sunday, wherever you get podcasts. The Restricted section was created by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Support us on patreon.com slash restricted section. For as little as a dollar a month, you can gain access to our Discord community server, which is a really happy place to be. And there are other rewards as well, such as bonus episodes and Zoom happy hour hangouts. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Restricted Section Pod, on Twitter at Restricted Pod, and on Facebook at Restricted Section Pod. Also, feel free to shoot us an email at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com to share your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or even lavish praise. I read, yeah, I read out of the illustrated edition last night, um, no illustrations, zero illustrations in this chapter, (laughs) which is so annoying. I'm like, this is the illustrated edition. Can we have some illustrations, please? (laughs) Yeah, well, because there was like 30 illustrations in the last chapter, the second task, because it like goes on forever and so much happens in it. I would have loved to see an illustration of Sirius and the gang in the cave. Yeah, for sure. Or like just Sirius and Buckbeak even. Just like show me, give me visual proof that they're okay. (laughs) Yeah. That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network.